and welcome to They Just Get It. My name is Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I as I always have been accused of being, of sitting here uh, with a guest today, Mr. Imi, uh, Iggy Domagalski. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Thank you for having me here today. Ah, my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to getting into the chat. I know you and I have known each other for a little bit now through through a mutual friend, and I, I must say, from the outside, I am uh, uh, you know a little bit of background, and we'll get you to kind of walk us through a bit. But uh, Iggy is the CEO of Tundra Process Solutions. Yes. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I, I think I was a fan before I met you. I was, <laughs> and when I say a fan, I you know not necessarily of yourself, but definitely of your brand and your culture and what you guys kind of put out there in the world. It's something I really want to talk about today because I think you do an incredibly good job of it. You know, through a time in Calgary when um, being positive and, and always positive in the oil and gas space would be easy. It'd been easy. You'd have lots of excuses of why you weren't. And you guys have seemed to really hold the line on that. It's something I want to talk about because I think it's something to be very proud of. But. Absolutely. And I also want to tell a little bit of your story. Um, you know, for my audiences, you know, we are, we do have voices for radio over here. So he's a young guy to be in the, in the senior role <laughs> he's in and the size of company is. So I want to really get into that story and understand a little bit of the background of kind of how you ended up being where you are today, which is what they just get it's all about. So maybe start, give everybody listening a little bit of, uh, tell us about Tundra. What's, what's, the, who are you guys? What do you do? Uh, what, you know, what role do you play in the world? Sure thing. And again, thanks for having me here today. Really excited to, to dig into it a little bit more. Uh, so Tundra Process Solutions is a distributor of industrial process equipment. So uh, some people, I think you could call us a value-added reseller. So, okay. So for the most part, we're taking others' products. So brands that people may have heard of are Toshiba and ABB. Those are some of the industrial products that uh, that we buy from others, mostly in the U.S., bring them to Canada. Okay. And then we add some value. So we, we're, we're, we're a small, medium-sized company, 180 uh, full-time employees, most of them in Western Canada, uh, and then some scattered around throughout the U.S. And uh, and yes, so we, we take these products and add some engineering value, or we'll put them into a larger skid or a building or add programming and just really try to solve our customers industrial process problems that's that's a that's a, essentially what our what our company is we were okay. we were we were built as a as a small distributor i got involved in 2006 at the time we were about 14 15 people uh, looking to grow, okay. and then we d- we did a lot of that through organic growth and taking on new products and going into new geographies. Uh, but then we also did some acquisitions along the way. That uh, none of them was particularly uh, a massive acquisition, but all of them gave us a new strength and a new area that we didn't have before. Okay, so you said so fourteen people to roughly one hundred and eighty people in thirteen years. Yes. Yeah. 2006, a little bit of a different world in Western Canada than maybe what it's been the last two or three. Mm. It was it was completely different. I remember the first time coming here, and uh, I was just visiting. We went to a comedy show, and the, the the comedian was making jokes about how Alberta is the richest province in the world. And uh, and then a couple of days later, I went to a Calgary Flames hockey game, and they had the little blimps that were flying around, uh, the, okay. like little radio controlled yeah, blimp yeah. inside the the arena. And normally they'd be dropping, you know, twenty dollar gift certificates to Boston Pizza or something like yeah. that. Uh, they were dropping trust units in oil companies, like share certificates. That's what. Was that's being, a good story. I did. That, I never heard that story. That's what was being dropped by these balloons at the hockey game. So that that gives you an idea of the the positivity and how, how the sp- money was literally falling from the sky. <laughs> it really was. And uh, so, so so we got involved with Tundra then, and uh, my. Uh, 
bought the company and, uh, and and then continued to grow it. And then, of course, there's been some ups and downs. And recently, there's been a big, massive down for yes, about yeah. five years. We're still so, waiting for the up the upside of the down? Yeah, yeah we're, we're, I think we've hopefully hit the, the most bottom part of the down. Okay. Um, but I but I, I feel like it's slowly getting better, but they are, there's still a lot of hiccups. I, I think slowly is the optimal world. So you, can't, so you said you visited from... Where, where did you where did you grow up? What's your what's your background? What's your, where you come from? So I... Uh, uh, with a last name like Domagalski, you might guess that uh, that I'm Polish, which which I am. So I was. I didn't uh, want to jump to conclusions. <laughs> I didn't want to jump. I didn't want to jump to, to the end. So uh, I was born in Poland. Uh, so both of my parents were mechanical engineers, and they uh, but became entrepreneurs. So they had some businesses uh, that they were running in Poland. But it was in the. I, I left Poland in the early '80s, and it was it was not a good place to be at that okay. time. I was just a little kid, so I don't remember the badness. But it was it was essentially a communist country, and so it well, was lots of rep- yeah yeah. It's not a good story, exactly. And so so my folks did not like where the country was going. They didn't like where it was, and so they decided to leave. And uh, and those that's a days, huge move. Good for like kudos. I don't never met your parents, obviously, but kudos yeah. to them because there's that's no easy task. Uh-huh. Yeah, and well, with a young family. Yeah, so I was I was a, I have a younger sister now too who was born in Canada, but it was just us at the time. I was three years old, so just a little kid. And what was what what always struck me as really brave on their part is first they sold everything that they had, and at the time my parents were they were quite wealthy in the country, but the exchange rates were so crazy that essentially they sold absolutely everything they had, uh, and it was a lot. There was houses, there was cars, there was all, and then all of that translated into fifty thousand dollars. Wow, and so, and so that's so I mean, that, that's a good amount of money, but that's not enough. I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't to, use it to determine wealthy. You know, when you move exactly. into a North American kind exactly. of criteria. Yeah, so they. Oh, that's interesting. And so, and at the time, it being a pseudo communist country, you couldn't just leave the country. That that's not a thing that you could do. Right. So you, that whole concept of freedom is a is a different world when communism is the <laughs> is the mandate. Absolutely. So we had to go on a on a vacation. And never come back, and so they got a, they got permission from whatever government people they were dealing with to take a vacation, and just never came back. And so, so did you defect? Is that a, is it, can we can we call that a defection on your I, part? I, I think we can call. Is it, it a defection. far enough in the past now that we can say that and yeah. not have to worry about anyone showing up at your door? Yeah. So we were. I mean, we were political refugees. So we okay. we, le- we left and we ended up in Austria and then lived in a in a refugee camp there for a year before we were able to find transit to Canada. And so one day the folks came up uh, to my parents and said, "Hey, there's a flight leaving for Canada tomorrow. Would you like to be on it?" And they said, "Yeah, where's it? That sounds great. Where's it going?" And the guy well, said, well, "Yeah." He said, "Winnipeg." <laughs> and so my parents literally opened up a map and said, "Where is this Winnipeg?" And they said, <laughs> "Oh, perfect. Right in the middle. We can't wait." And we've that- got nothing but opportunities. <laughs> we've got options abound. Wow. So that and that was in the in the early '80s. Yeah. So that was a uh, '82, and then we so we ended up in Winnipeg, and that's where I spent most of my growing up life. Okay. Uh, so that's that, that's where we lived. That was a there was a lot of immigrants at the time coming in from all over, spe- right. specifically Poland, Ukraine, places like that. Yeah. And uh, we set up shop there, lived there for a long time. I went to, to school there, went to university there. Uh, I got a, uh, my degree was a Bachelor of Commerce in Finance and Accounting. I uh, really liked growing up in Winnipeg. It was a great city. Okay. Uh, my, my folks liked it there. And uh, and then after university, uh, I, I, I got a job at a company called Investors Group, which is a large mutual fund company. Mm-hmm. 
trying to put my finance degree to work, and yeah. uh, which, which was great. So I got put into a really cool program. They called it their management development program, where I got rotated around a bunch of different areas in the company. So working in sales and in training and in uh, trading stocks on the, on, the, on the stock floor and, uh, and field distribution. So I got a, a good a good overview of all the different pieces that work in a company Mm -hmm. and a company is a company. If if it's, we'd happen to be selling financial products these days, we sell industrial products. It's all kind of the same. The fundamentals kind of boil down to it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And and so it was nice. So I got to see a lot of pieces in a, in a large company, which was really cool. And, uh, so I was there for, for a bunch of years. And then, um, at the time the guy that had hired me, he was, uh, he was one of the top guys at the company. Uh, he went over to another company called Richardson Partners Financial mm-hmm. with the with the Richardson family out of Winnipeg, and uh, and they wanted to start a new company, and so so they did, and uh, so his name is Mike, and he started to grow that company and brought me over to do a bunch of work in their finance and IT world, and uh, and so so I came over there, really enjoyed my time there. That was a pretty cool company. It was a neat okay. neat kind of family run. Uh, operation and they had some deep pockets, which was nice. So we could actually. It's nice to be in a startup yeah. environment when funding is not a challenge. Yeah, and so, and so and so it wasn't at the time, and so it was it was great because we were able to actually build things the proper way. So we weren't just using a shoestring IT budget. We yeah. we were able to bring on uh, twenty people to start this to to create a really really robust back office program that would because they obviously had a big end game in mind playing big knew where they wanted to head and not scared to investigate there exactly and and so they were it was how old are you at that time what was it what what, were your formative years (laughs) i would have been 26 or so okay something like that yeah and so that was a a great experience i was only there for for about a year because my my partner mike he left again and so he he was there for a little while but he had an argument with the board and then he he, he always says that he was having a midlife crisis, okay. And, and, okay. and and his his definition of midlife crisis was um, I didn't want a fancy sports car. I still love my wife that I've been with since I was sixteen. So yep. so I didn't want a new one of those. Or <laughs> okay, he wasn't following any of the traditional patterns that happens with exactly. success. Yeah, yeah. So, so his midlife that's, that's funny actually. So he, he's about twenty years older than me, and so his his midlife crisis was that he was going to go out west and instead of buying a car or whatever, he was going to buy some small companies. So that was oh interesting. That was his version of a midlife crisis. Which that's if I ever go through that kind of a crisis, I hope that that's my, what that's what it is. I, I, I think that would be an so okay twenty years your senior. So he was kind of so obviously a big mentor or a big kind of role like key figure in your life absolutely so he's he's been my uh you know my 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 heroes that i really look up to are my parents and for when they when they left poland it was they had a little bit of money like not knowing where they're going but also not speaking the language i just i can't think of how scary it would be for me or you to sell everything that you have figure out that it's actually not worth very much and go move into the middle of china where nobody speaks English and you don't speak the language. That would be really hard. And it's cold for yeah. a good portion of time. <laughs> yeah. And so, the, so they did that. Um, I, I don't, you know, so you do what you have to do. You know, sitting right here, I'm like, wow, I think the, the moxie or the, you know, the confidence in yourself, your ability to adapt and, you know, survive. That's, that, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. With a young child. Like, yeah. And it was only just you, but at the same time, like you have a whole other sets of responsibilities yeah. when you've got someone in tow. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was interesting times, but, uh, but then Mike, our, our, our chairman, who is still my business partner and that's the guy that I report up to. So he's, yeah, he's been a mentor. So you're still working for, with, so you've been really working with him since your early twenties. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm 39 now and he hired me in 2001. So we've been together for 18 years. Nice. Yeah. Bus- business marriage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and, and, uh, and so we've obviously become friends and 
go on vacations together and those kind of things. Yeah, so, nice. Uh, and then I've seen all his kids grow up. Some of them are a little bit younger than me. All three of them are in family businesses as well. Like okay. his, his family businesses, uh, which is wonderful. So we've been, uh, it's, it's been, so a, he's a true entrepreneur that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a fortunate, it's been a great marriage. We've, uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I think he has. I hope he has. Well, you guys are still together. That's a good sign. How active is he in the kind of day-to-day running of the business versus yourself? Uh, less now. So I, I held uh, the role of chief operating officer for a lot of years. And then three years ago, up, up until that time, Mike was our chairman and CEO. Okay. And he wanted to be only chairman. So he wanted to release the, the day-to-day yeah. runnings of the company. He said 20 years old. So he's 59. He's 60. Yeah. So he's at that place in his life where you take things, things, things mean different things at that point to you. Exactly. And, and he had a couple other businesses that his kids were involved with and he wanted to spend a bit more time with them, teaching them and helping them grow those businesses and then doing fun things too, like fishing and all the other things. That, that sounds good. That, that absolutely. absolutely. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, so three years ago I took on the role of, of chief executive officer, which is, which has been great. And he's, uh, and he's, he's taken a, a step back. So he's in the office probably, a week a month, maybe a week and a half a month. Okay. And he's uh, and he's really taken a, a step back from being very actively involved in making decisions and more acting in a in an advisory role and you know mm-hmm. let, letting me and our management team skin our knees every now and yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, trip and fall. <laughs> exactly. So so curious. I mean, I'm putting you on the spot with this question. Have you got Have you got a version of you in the wings the same way that he you know 20 years your senior brought it up mentor like what's that like for you in terms of being able to kind of pass along that same type of opportunity to other younger leaders like who's 26 in your life that's that that, that you're bringing along uh we're well, I, th- I think i'm lucky and we're lucky we have a lot of uh, a lot of great folks at our company that's awesome and uh, a lot of great young leaders uh that my direct reports are that most of them are older than me. Um, like our chief operating officer and president and CFO, they've, they've got some more years of experience on me, which is wonderful because we need that experience. And Surround uh, yourself with smarter people that have been there, that have done it, that you can, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely, they're all smarter than me with, 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 without <laughs> any doubt in, in there. In I hope they're all going to be listening to this. That's a good strategy. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's but, awesome. But they absolutely are. They're no, so talented right. and so smart. And, uh, and so I just, I'm usually just the guy asking the annoying questions. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're just almost, asking the why questions, like yeah. the, the, the five, the five, the, the five-year-old. Why, why, yeah. why? And I, and I, they're already five steps ahead of me. So I just, I, I asked the questions. Eventually I'm, I'm satisfied. And every time it's the same thing. I just, I knew they were on top of it and they just took me through. The, the steps that they're taking. To, that's, that's great. What's your dynamic? How big is your leadership team over there? Uh, there are nine of us on our. On okay, our, on that's our a good size. Team. That's a good size. And everybody's in the office here. Uh, seven of the nine are in Calgary, and two are in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. So we have a. a you guys are primarily the Calgary's. The, Calgary's the head head office. So from a headcount perspective, Calgary's the head office. We have about a hundred people here. Okay. And then in Edmonton, we would have uh, about sixty. 10 in Grand Prairie, and then the last 10 would be scattered around in one-person offices okay. uh, in Western Canada and some in the U.S. as well. Okay. How many offices do you guys have altogether? Uh, the real significant bricks-and-mortar offices. Yep. We have one in Calgary, two in Edmonton, uh, one in Grand Prairie, and then a really small one in Midland, Texas. Okay. It's five. Yeah. Hmm, nice. And then and then another ten, just one person offices, people working out of their house, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Being in the being in the regions where obviously you've got lots of things going on, clients work, stuff, absolutely stuff. Because your world is all there's a piece of there's a there's a piece of iron somewhere attached to it, right? There's some yeah. there's a piece of there's because the, you do all the consulting and the thinking, but fundamentally you're delivering some type of mechanical device, one, exactly. one time or another. Yeah. So we deliver a product, and then we have a we have a we have a, a significant service division too, which would be about ten percent of our revenues. Okay. Um, I was I would imagine because. 
I've worked around equipment enough. It breaks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it needs to be worked on. <laughs> exactly. So we have about 40, um, 40 45 uh, service technicians that are there. They're in trucks, they're on the road, or they're in the shop fixing things. And so they're... Yeah, because the majority of your equipment is out in remote. It's, out yeah. in, the, it's in the bush somewhere. It's, out, it's in a field somewhere. <laughs> exactly. So we'll either go out to that remote place to work on it, okay. or uh, if they're able to, they'll you know they'll uninstall it, send it back to us. We can work on it here. And that saves them some money. Right, because right? you guys do a lot of it's like smaller instrumentation. It's not all big... That's it's not, it's not yeah. all stuff that needs to be delivered on a float. It can be literally popped in and shipped. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have we'll have some of our pieces of equipment that can fit inside a shoebox, yeah. and then other ones that are as big as a house. Yes, I've seen. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that, that need they need those huge trucks that we see moving up and down from here to Edmonton. Yeah. Um. So, got. So what what did bring you to Calgary? Was uh, he came out here and you followed? So that's how that. Came, yeah. He kind of forged the path. Okay. Yeah. That, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So so initially when uh when when we were going to do this, I remember. We were we started to look at buying companies, and both of us were entrepreneurial. We had run some companies, and we and he, he had done more than me, obviously. Uh, but we just started to look at them, and we looked at over three hundred before we found a couple that we were interested in even going to mm. see in person. And there were two that we wanted to go see in person. Uh, both of them were in BC, and so we went to one. One was in Vernon, and that one was a like a marble slab type company, and it was a dud. Uh, At that point, you guys were really open. Was there any filters in terms of industry or where you wanted to end up, or it was more opportunity-based? Uh, it, it was more opportunity-based. We knew certain things that we really wanted in a business, so okay. we, we we liked the idea of product distribution okay. and and uh, and having a company where the sales function is valued and important. Uh, so we okay. so so that was important to us. We wanted to make sure that you know the that the profit margins were large enough that we could screw things up and not go out of business because <laughs> we made plenty of mistakes along the way. And so those, those were a couple of the things we had other criteria too, but those yeah. were, those were some main ones. Um, and then so that, but this, uh, this Vernon company didn't work out. Uh, and then we found one in Port Moody, BC, which is, uh, a little suburb of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was an air compressor company. And that one, it would, you know, it was a, I remember being in in that in that building and it was dirty. It looked like an episode of Hoarders. And I and I went upstairs and I heard this tick, 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 tick noise. And so I go upstairs and I and I said, "What? What is it? Is that mice? Is it like I don't know what that is?" And it was a, it was the owner's wife typing invoices on a 1970s typewriter. And so I said, "Wow, this." They're, you know, room for improvement. They're, they're keeping costs down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There was that room for improvement. So uh, we ended up buying that company, and uh, and I stayed to run it. And you know that was you know we we did some really crazy things, like bought a computer that was new, and I uh, cleaned the place out, just streamlined some of the processes. Well, how many staff? What was the headcount on that? That was a small little business, had like three people. So okay, was, okay. So it wasn't wasn't too like the the change management process wasn't too bad. Yeah, exactly. You could all sit around and have a have a coffee and talk about what we're going to do. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, so that that was fun, and then I was out there for two and a half years, and then uh, we had bought Tundra, so I I moved to Calgary because Tundra was growing faster and just uh, okay. needed needed some more. Did help. you guys keep that business or? Did you sell it, or what happened with the business support, Moody? Uh, yeah, we still have it. So that that business, it's grown significantly now. So that one's about eighty people or so, and it's run by uh, actually one of uh, our chairman's sons, who has. So he took over for me. Uh, I stayed for about six months to show him the ropes of the business. The transition, and he still he took it over and just took it through the stratosphere. So he's uh, yeah, and he's been running ever since. Absolutely, all right, nice. Yeah, so his name's Brandon, and he's been doing a, an amazing job out there. Oh, that's, well, it's again so as being in companies and being you know it's all about the people you surround yourself with. Absolutely, yeah, yes, hundred. No, that's 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 good. I love those stories. Yeah. <laughs> Find the right leader and then they take it and do better than you would that you did when you had it. Like that's such a good that's such a good story. So you ended Absolutely. up. So what? So then back. You said you first moved out. They bought it in two thousand six. So when did you actually end up in Calgary? How long have you been here? Two 
2008. So I've been here 11. Okay, so out there for a couple of years. Yeah, 11 years we've been here. Nice. And were you married at the time? Because I met your wife briefly. Were you guys married when you were out in uh, Vancouver? Uh, we got married while we were in Vancouver. Okay. Um. Yeah, and so yeah, so we've been we've been together. I'm for, sure there's a whole lot of stories behind all that. Yeah. I was just just curious because it makes yeah it makes a big difference that, that you know talking about that key partnership in your life. Absolutely, so you get the business marriage, but you know they have the life marriage as well. Yeah, which and, makes uh, a huge difference. It does, yeah. And so we've been we've been together 17 years, got a couple kids, and uh, and it's been it's been a pretty fun ride. And she's you know she put a lot of trust in me when we were right. moving out to Vancouver, and I was leaving. You know, it was a good it was a good finance job. Things were good, and I said, well, okay, well let's let's uproot everything, move to a city we don't know, sell all our stuff and we're going into this sounds thing. a little familiar yeah. but not completely you know going back to your parents story yeah yeah maybe a little less risky for sure you could speak the language exactly so it was way less risky so when i was looking at you know the perceived risk of this situation and then i thought of risks that others have taken it just didn't seem that risky. it normalized yours pretty like down to like exactly. this is not really that risky this yeah, is just actually worst thing that happens is i doesn't work out. Get a different job. Do something else. It was. It was not. We can pivot and we can adjust pretty good because you didn't have you didn't have kids at that time. Not at the time. Yeah. Okay. So so there was some criteria that made it a little bit. Yeah. So you ended up in Calgary in two thousand eight, and so two thousand eight. What well, we had the downturn uh, from a global perspective, but Calgary really didn't get hit at that time. Like it was like a little blip. That's it, what. That's why. That's how I remember it. it. It was. Yeah. And I mean, people were scared. There were some layoffs. People really put all the, a bunch of growth plans on hold. Yeah. But it all went away in six or nine months. That's, so that's it, how I remembered as well. It, it went away pretty quickly, and you know the the, the world was devastated. Yes, and I felt like we ended up in a little bit of a bubble. Yeah, we, we were we were the only part almost of the world that was affected far less than the others. And now the last five years, it's completely the opposite. Yes, most, it most is. of the world's fine, and you know the Alberta oil sector has been you know. Decimated to, to yes. A, to a I just, like I said, you I was just I was just in Toronto for the week. Like the amount of construction and stuff that's you know, yep. things are starting to slow a little bit. I was talking to some guys in the real estate space. And I was like, yeah, it's a little bit less, but a little bit less from from like Mach nine is is not that slow. And they, yep. like there's building projects everywhere and condos for sale and you know one bedroom six hundred square foot condo King West area six hundred grand you know stuff like oh that. Oh my gosh, like, yeah, like five hundred fifty <laughs> square feet. <laughs> Probably size of your bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> um, just to be in the action, and because again, quality of life there, cause, or else you're commuting for two hours, yeah. you know, to try to get in. So, you know, again, people always, you know, we move to Toronto, you know, stay in Calgary. Like, there's we economically, I know Calgary's in a downturn, but the quality of life that we get to enjoy here, you know, I love Toronto, big city, but you deal with a lot of big city challenges as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here the commutes aren't too bad. And no, they're a, not. It's a it's a great city. We love. We last eleven years here have been great. Yeah, Calgary's a you know it's a top notch. We can just get this economy in here. Let's not get let's not go slip down slip down that rabbit hole. So you came out two thousand eight, went through a little bit of a blip, and then guys continued to march on. You're on you're yep. on the track. So was there a big boost year of growth? You said fourteen. You're at one hundred eighty now. Was there a period of time when that like has really like kind of rocking and rolling, or was it pretty steady over that period of time? It was it it, it was that all the fast growth actually came in about um, eight years or so. Okay, and so it was from. Really, 2006 to 2014. Those were those are that's kind of where we grew, and then we shrunk a bit because that's yep. That was that's, what was the peak? How big were you guys at the at the top? Just from a headcount perspective, right around where we are now. So so we got up. Oh, okay, so uh, you're slowly kind of brought it back. Exactly. Yeah. So we we were at our our peak in 2014, 15. Then we then we went down a little bit, and now we're back up to our previous high water mark. And is it a, you know same headcount, but is it as the as the DNA, the flavor, the way the business runs, has that changed? So like you lost those numbers, you put numbers back on. I'm assuming it wasn't just the same roles back again. Did you guys do some significant things? Did, did things change fundamentally in the business in that cycle? 
Uh, some some things did, yeah. Uh, we we started to add a lot more value, I think, to okay. to the products that we're putting out into the world, which just makes the business a little bit stickier and your customers like you a little bit better. Well, never waste a good downturn. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a good time to go, yeah. you know what? Let's do things better. And like, you know, I, I always joke, there was a period of time, I think you, I'm sure you experienced, you walk down Stephen Avenue, you walk down, and every restaurant, full good or bad now all of a sudden the bad ones well they're not they're not there anymore the good yeah. ones are still there and they're still busy so it really the 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 you know the rising tides and all those sayings it's a real it's a downturn kind of really shakes out the chaff yeah it and and it it, it helped helped us to adapt our business and our business was a lot based on big projects you know and there were a lot of big projects going on so we would have these big lumpy kind of revenues from doing big jobs and over the last five years we've really tried to transform our business to being much more based on um, j- just steady, everyday, smaller orders that are a lot more sticky, a lot more predictable. Okay. And I think that gives, you know, when the big projects still come around, those those are, that's that's the gravy. But, but having right. a good, steady business day in, day out, that I think that gives our people a lot more uh, safety. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a good place. Right? Our company, the DNA of it now is much stronger than it ever was before. Okay. Oh, interesting. We'll talk about that. Like I said, how I opened a little bit was being a fan of you guys. You know, I, I was aware of your brand simply because you guys are out there. You're in, and, and what, the stuff I see on social, there's a level of innovation. There's things that you're doing, but what really shows through is you guys seem like a really cool place to work. It seems like you have a great culture. You said DNA, lots of words to use for that. Talk to me a little bit about the culture. And obviously you guys took it from 14 underneath, so everything was very deliberate. So talk to me a little bit about where you guys are now from a cultural perspective and kind of what makes you, obviously you're smiling, what makes you proud of, of that company that you guys have created? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think myself and our, our whole team are, are, are proud of what we've done there. And culture is, it has to be deliberate. I mean, no. Every You're co- going to get something. <laughs> yeah, every company has a culture, whether whether it's deliberate or not. As soon as you get ten people in a room, yes. a culture will just develop. And so we've tried our best to be deliberate about it. Um, th- things that we care about. I mean, we like all the all the other things that a company would hope that they would have. You know, accountability, goal setting, all those things. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a big goal guy, so I encourage and almost mandate every every single person in our company to have five written goals posted on their wall that they just to make sure that they're working on the right things every day, day in and day out. Uh, but then we have a whole other side of our, our, our company, which is, is really the fun side. And it's, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of these things, um, you know, they take effort, but none of them are really that expensive to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think of some of the things that companies like Google do and, you know, they cafeterias with free food 24 seven and that, yeah. that stuff can add up. Um, uh, and certainly in times like these, you know, companies can't really afford to do that. But we do we do a few things that that I, that I am proud of that I really like doing that aren't super expensive, but they're they're important for our people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a, you know every Friday, and uh, as we record this, today is Friday, so I got to get back to the office for our lounge night. So I, I, I know, yeah. no, I've heard yeah. of the Friday afternoons. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so we have a we have a a lounge that we built. It's got some TVs in it and like the little uh, basketball shooter game and a foosball it's table. It's a swanky spot. It's a swanky spot. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it, it's really fun and it's got some we got some drinks on tap so people can come there at the end of the day and it's not it's not about having a whole bunch of drinks. It's it's about it's about being with your coworkers and catching up what's happening during the week and while we're not a, a, a really big company or we have a bunch of different divisions so we're a little bit complex. Okay. So allowing people just to spend time with each other talk some work things, some not work things, get to know each other right. on a personal level. I think that goes a really long way. I wish one of our guys who does a inside sales for one of our products, uh, his, his side hustle is he's a DJ. And so 
So he spins music every Friday, four four o'clock. You know, like four o one, the radio is on, and he's uh, and he's spinning music, whatever you want. You kind of ask him. So we basically have an in house DJ every Friday, which is okay. Are you sweetening the whole story here? <laughs> this sounds which awesome. Was, which is really I, awesome. I've seen the space and it looks great. Yeah. You had energy, you know, some beer on tap, and you had a DJ. Like, well, that sounds like a pretty good way to spend a Friday afternoon at Tundra. Yeah, yeah. So we start at four o'clock. Sometimes by five thirty, it's wrapped up. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people stay till midnight. You just you never know what will happen. Just let it. Yeah, yeah. Just. <laughs> What happens at the after? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then and then there's obviously you no know, taxi vouchers for everyone to get of home, course. and then another taxi voucher to get back if you forgot your car by accident. So <laughs> it uh, that happens sometimes. You can gauge the uh, how how full the parking lot is uh, the next the Saturday morning based on how yeah. good the after Friday was. Yeah, and then we we've tried to do a few other things. So like like a lot of other companies, you know, just getting out and doing fun events. So whether that's just taking people out to a hockey game, uh, do, doing those kind of things. Uh, but then we do host a lot of great things. We have an annual uh, family ski day where we just truckload about 50 of us out to Canmore. Uh, and then we have a uh, cross country ski lessons there and a the nice kind of family environment mm-hmm. that the kids are invited to if, if people have kids. Uh, we just did a curling bond spiel in, uh, in loving memory of one of our fallen comrades who passed away okay. uh, from brain cancer. Um, so we we do that in, in his honor and give the money to the Alberta Cancer Foundation. And then and we do try to do a lot of uh, charity things. One of one of our core values is give back, and we're we're, we're proud of that. So we the the main organization that we do most of our sponsoring of is the Kids Cancer Care Foundation. Mm-hmm. So we started off about seven years ago just doing really little things with them and grew that every year. And so they've nominated us as one of their corporate champions and one of their most significant um partners, which which was which was a big honor for us to to, to be thought of that way. Mm-hmm. So doing the community things and then uh and, and then we we do something called making life easier. Okay. Which is Sounds good. I'm in already. You yeah, got, the, you, got, you hooked me. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that people need to do in their life. Getting your car detailed, getting the oil changed, uh, dropping off your dry cleaning, even going and getting like a Cairo appointment or a massage or something. Life, life stuff. Mm. Exactly. So we so we bring those things to the office. So I, I remember one weekend, a few of our folks, they, there was this one room office that wasn't really good for an office so it wasn't really being used for anything and they came in there and they revamped the thing on the weekend you know they, they brought in some i saw it on social media yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, I saw that yeah some nice pictures yeah. and some yep. little just cute things that made it into into a massage room and i mean we have a benefit plan like everyone else does and so your massages in cairo is paid for so make we it, had, make it easy so we actually have them come in so friday afternoons her name is lana she's there then doing massages so you just pop in and it gets billed the normal way that you're regular benefits would get billed. So just, just bringing those services in-house. We have a dry cleaning drop-off. Everyone pays for it on their own. So you took a few of Google's yeah. pages. Maybe yeah. not the 24-hour cafeteria, yeah, but exactly. you, you got some of the other things yeah. making it easier for yeah. people. Uh, one note, and, and I don't take credit for any of these ideas. We've copied pretty much everything that we've done from somebody else. Doesn't make them not good ideas. <laughs> exactly. There is, you know, there is, there's so many great ideas out there and, and things that people have already perfected. I'm happy to take those perfected ideas and just implement them in yep. our company. Uh, one that I've really enjoyed that we actually took from a friend of mine who was running a charity in, in Asia. They, uh, they didn't call it Tundra Talks, obviously, because their, their name wasn't Tundra, but they, uh, we call it Tundra Talks. And so every Wednesday at lunch, we have somebody come in. Sometimes it's someone internal, sometimes it's someone external, and just to talk about something cool. Uh, so we've had uh, Olympic athletes come in and talk about goal setting. Uh, we've okay. had uh, doctors come in and talk about curing cancer with viruses. Uh, we've had financial people come in and talk about how do you build a stock portfolio or we've had some of our own people just come in and you know talk about a cool trip that they recently took that, uh, that was interesting in. and yeah so one like of, almost little mini ted talks if you will it, that's exactly what it is they, that's us- great. they usually run about half an hour and then one of our guys in the office too uh, he really likes cooking 
So he'll cook lunch for the entire office. Cooks, then, DJs. <laughs> sounds awesome, yeah, actually. Yeah, we got it all. <laughs> but so, it, makes, it makes a huge difference. And like you said, it, like, none of those things like just – and I know you guys have training rooms, so taking advantage of like, well, we already have a room. where like, So having someone do a talk is probably pretty easy. Absolutely. It's kind of the barrier. Like remove all the barriers. And most of that stuff, is, it's just the effort and energy to do it. It's no big cost outlays. Yeah, Absolutely. But with such a, you know, with that many people and good, the headcount, it creates a lot of variety and you've got DJs and chefs, and, <laughs> but showcasing an environment where they can just do their thing. There's a huge amount of, that's awesome. I really, I appreciate the concept of it doesn't, it's so easy to see these things as barriers, always expensive and takes time. And oftentimes it's just going, ah, you know what? This is not big of a deal. Let's just do it. Yeah. And, and just, and, and putting the importance on it because it, the culture is important and it's not one thing. It's, it's a hundred different things. But no, to, it's not a foosball it, table uh, in the corner or the 24-hour cafeteria that create culture. Exactly. Those are just elements. Yeah, and, and but you have to consciously do all those 100 things all the time. Deliberately. Yeah, and yes. they, have, they have to be consistent too. So we've... Uh, we, we've tried our best to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, from the outside, and again, from chatting with you and getting to know you, and you certainly have been doing a good job at that. And it, like, like, I, like I alluded to earlier, the last five years in Calgary has been challenging to be able to be maintain that positive culture. And because like you said, it gives you a chance like for the good companies, good, I say, quote unquote, to still be there and still be in the game. You just have to work. You have to try that much harder and add that much more value. Absolutely. It's the same thing with your team. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. You can't just run everybody into the ground to, for the, <laughs> from a client's perspective. Mm-hmm. Just to do better work, you have it has to come all the way around to be to be to hold together and there needs to be balance i mean our, our people they work smart they work hard you know sometimes evenings and weekends and things are required and they're there so they're doing those things so you have to be flexible on the other side too when they have when more people have family and life things come up that we're not micromanaging them into into well you can't leave for more than three hours that's not that's not how we operate it's not really real life and you know the whole the, the myth that the, you know you said the, the work-life balance that doesn't have a time or a frame. It's mm-hmm. just, it's an experience and something might happen at three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon and you have to leave. It's just the way it goes. That's okay. Cause I know that you're going to get the, you're going to get what you ever need done tomorrow. And having that kind of mutual respect goes a long way. Absolutely. And selfishly, that's where I want to work is a place like that. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to be micromanaged, but don't worry. I'll get the, I'll get it done. Don't, don't worry yeah. about that <laughs> and hiring those people. So pretty positive story. You know, and when I meet, when I interview people, I really like to give, you know, not, not look for stuff, but what are some of the bigger challenges? Has there any been like, where's the left hook that came out of nowhere that kind of caught you and you weren't, weren't expecting it? Has there been any of those along? It's like, it sounds like the the career from the story so far, it's been pretty step-by-step, pretty linear, pretty positive. Has there been any moments or kind of like those real learning experiences for you along the way? Oh yeah, we've made we've made tons, <laughs> any, tons any that of you mistakes, want to share. Tons of they don't mistakes. have to be. It can be we or it can be an I story too. So, is there anything that like from you that really was kind of pinnacle in your life that you look back now and say, "Wow, like that that sucked, but I went through it, and now because of that, I think of things. I look at the world differently." Well, yeah, absolutely, and uh, and in and in our business, it's been in just in, around failed ideas and business units. Okay, and so we've had. A number of them, like more than one hand, maybe even more than two hands counting. Okay. Uh, of of fingers and toes <laughs> of uh, of of just completely failed businesses and businesses that we've shut down. And so, so fortunately, we just we had enough size that it didn't bankrupt the company. But right. but essentially, we've bankrupted a bunch of little companies that just happened to be within a bigger one. Okay, that's interesting. And so, so 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 those are always tough. A lot of times that 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 comes with layoffs and. Uh, and and it comes with just a bunch of money that you spent that maybe that maybe you didn't have to and, and there's always and you go and you don't go into any of these things with like with half measured intentions you go in because you believe it's going to work absolutely and you know there there's been a lot of lessons that we've learned along the way um, in some cases it's just not getting enough client input 
into into an idea that uh, you know we yeah. thought we were really really smart and this is a wonderful thing that everyone's going to want but really we didn't check with enough or we just checked with a few and they seemed to be these clients were warm on it but nobody else cared about this thing uh so we so those businesses didn't work so so that's one that's one lesson that we've learned a couple times is really really make sure that there is a lot of demand pull from your clients and that that they're not just saying that this is a nice to have that they would write you a check for it there's a difference between a nice to have and all and i'm willing to pay for it yeah and so so, so that's been a lesson we've learned a couple times and then a couple times we've learned a lesson around just making sure you put the right and absolute best resources into these things and in some of the failed businesses that we've had it's just been about putting putting the wrong person in or you know just having it on the side of someone's desk is saying right. hey, hey i know we already have this full-time job but now you're also doing this thing and you can't reasonably expect for that new thing to take off into the stratosphere like you like you hoped it would by, it's, it's, by itself <laughs> exactly so just not not resourcing things properly or in the right way with the right people mm-hmm. uh or or really not getting the customer buy-in before dropping a bunch of money and effort into into I think that's such a powerful one because we're so guilty of the, we look for things that validate our bias, not, not, you know, break it essentially versus the scientific method of like, here's my theory. If I can't break it, then it's true versus I'm going to go and gather everyone who agrees and, and then kind of put a blind spot on anything that, that actually shows that I was maybe being a bad idea. That's, that's a, I think that's, yeah, <laughs> that's so, a tough one. That's, I've, we've, I've dealt with that personally. We deal with a lot of clients. They'll come to us and say, Hey, I really want to market or sell this thing. And part of our job is going, well, like, what is this thing? And is, and, and you really learn quickly. The clients that are like, well, no, no, no. I didn't ask you if you thought it was a good idea. Just do it. You're like, that's tough. Cause you start to see all the holes in it and you yeah. want to, you know, to truly be a partner, you've got to bring that forward. And culturally, not everybody wants to hear that story. Yeah. And so to help mitigate some of that, we, uh, we created a program called a Tundra ACE program. Okay. Uh, ACE stands for Acceleration Center for Entrepreneurs. So it's basically a technology accelerator uh, that we've used for external entrepreneurs. So if we find some entrepreneurs that have what we believe is a, you know, a disruptive technology in kind of the energy efficiency space. So something, okay. something that will make a product use less of an input or emit less Okay, so that's great. And, and is it specifically in the oil and gas space? It has been so far. That, okay. That's where we. That's, that's, that's your we, wheelhouse as yeah, well. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we focused. About eighty percent of our business is oil and gas. Okay. And so we we now have this program where we work with these entrepreneurs and help them do all this validating. And I mean, if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you're at the, at the time you're probably not employed with a regular employer, so you're literally Joe Inventor in the basement. Like, you're not getting a meeting with the Imperial Oil guy. You know, you're you're not. You'll even have a hard time finding who they are. And if you do find who they are, and you're not getting a meeting, and if you, by some shock, you are able to get a meeting. Once you're in that meeting, there's there's a lot of barriers that are put up immediately. You know, are you on our are you in our, our yeah. safety program? The vetting process. Yeah. yeah. Are, what's your quality management system like? What's your twenty four seven service like? Are you on this list? Are you on that list? And there's about ten things that you have to have checkmarked before anyone will even talk to you about the technical merits of your product. And if Which as most entrepreneurs, all you want to do is talk about the technical merits of your idea because the other stuff just kind of exactly. gets in the way of this exactly. awesome thing that you've created. And because of that, most entrepreneurs can't have that real conversation with a customer about, hey, I've invented something. Is this something that you would actually buy and use in your business? They, Back to that customer, that, yeah. that that real-time customer research you talked about earlier. Yeah, and so so we help them do that. I mean, we've we've been... we've 
been around 20 years. We actually just celebrated our 20th birthday as a company in April. Happy happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a party with cake and champagne. It was wonderful. <laughs> and, and, uh, and DJs. And yeah, I know, I know. I know how it goes. Everything's awesome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, but, but, but we've... We're, we're able, we think that we've built enough trust with our customers that if we call them up and say, hey, we got this new product with this entrepreneur here, we're not sure if it's something, but boy, can you get the couple of right engineers in the room and can we skip the bit about the approved lists and the safety can we list? Just, can we just have a chat? Let's just have a real conversation about this. And we're able to do that. And it, and it, it's shocking how many of uh, of these entrepreneurs we've we've started to go down the path with and they've never had a conversation with a customer. And they've been working on a product for three or four years, just waiting for it to be perfected. And they 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 have a, they have a a deep, genuine belief that the moment that they flick the website on, oh, that yes. they will be inundated with orders that they won't be able to keep up. And of course, that's never the case. They've turned the website on and nobody comes to it because it takes effort to market and sell something, as you know, it, running it, a marketing yes. firm. If, if you build it, they, it's an old cliche joke. You're like, <laughs> if you, you build, build it, they won't, they won't necessarily come. If you build it, they never come. You, <laughs> you, have, to, you have to go. Fair, and, yeah, I, was, I was leaving a little window for some, the odd time, but you're right. But yeah, you have yeah. to go and sell it yeah, and you make, have to make sure it that you have something real that customers want and just having those real conversations with those customers. So that's where this ACE program has been handy. And we've also used it internally. Uh, we so we have a, this new battery initiative and a couple other things that we're working on yep. and saying you know go in the ACE program and go work with these guys try to get the real customer pull see if there's something there so we're so we're not only using it to vet others ideas we're using it to vet our own personal internal ideas that's awesome creating create, and but creating a proper framework so it isn't, it isn't as loose or kind of as you know off the cuff kind of yeah. thing how many companies have you run through that uh, we've worked with about a dozen, uh, we, and then we've made a couple equity investments based on that. And, oh, okay. and, we're, and we have another kind of four that we're working with right now that are looking promising. Okay. So not to open the floodgates here, but if someone was interested in chatting with you about that or finding, learning more, how would they, how would they approach, how would they approach you guys? Uh, the, the way that we usually get approached is just through the website. It's a uh, tundraace.com. Okay. And then uh, a guy by the name of Eric Allen, he's our ACE program director. So he's pretty active on social media. So a lot of people will just connect with him uh, on LinkedIn or just shoot him an email. And are you guys getting, is it a pretty steady flow? Like, I'm just curious, so like how many, you said you've done the, 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 the handful that you've done. Is that a percentage that have you've heard from? Or like, do people know about this yet? Because it sounds, it sounds pretty awesome what you guys are doing. I think, I think a good amount of people know about it. And we... We adjust the you know the, the loudness of the megaphone as of course. depending on how busy we are. Yeah. So if we don't have that many opportunities in the pipeline, then we'll get louder, and all of a sudden more will show up. But if uh, it's it's a small little, it's a yeah, couple. the pipe the pipe is yeah. only so big. I yeah. understand, and that. it's just yeah. a couple people that work in the ACE yeah. program, so we only have a limited amount of capacity to take on new ideas. So uh, if they're, if they're getting slammed, then they stop advertising, and yeah. if they're not, then they start advertising. Like every good, yeah. like every small business yeah. that we just described, <laughs> exactly. we're really busy, so let's just do the work and focus on the thing. Yeah. How long have you guys been running that for? Two and a half years. Oh, and what sparked that? Because that, so is that part of something like how do we become innovative? Uh, how do we become more involved in the community? What was some of the key drivers? Like that's a really interesting. Program. Yeah, it was. You know, it was all of those things, and, okay. it, and it really initially it came from a place of sadness, and I was looking around at what was going on in the economy, and a couple of our my other teammates were just talking about how terrible it is out there. And there were over a hundred thousand people laid off. I knew lots of them. Uh, everyone, everyone in Calgary had a friend or a family member or someone that they knew that, that had been affected by that. And I knew that so many of these people had, you know, great ideas, but they were literally stuck in their basements. Yeah. And so that's why we created the program to, and, and initially it was a completely a philanthropic thing. We just wanted to give people, uh, and, and we, we still do this. We give them free space, free legal, free, um, 
free, free marketing support, free engineering design. So we, we do all those things already. We brought on sponsors uh, in kind of the legal and accounting world yep. and to, to, to help with that. And they were thrilled to, to, to help these, these, uh, these, these young companies uh, get off the ground. So, so that's where it started. It started from a, a place of sadness and then it eventually it's, it's turned into a place of happiness because we're, we're helping entrepreneurs live the, live the Canadian dream and, Literally, and yeah. then, uh, and just, just helping them along the way. It is a hard slog to get your product into a customer's hands. So we help. And especially when you're, you know, most of those people that I've met, you know, so they're, they're very engineering background, science, based. like they, they don't, they don't necessarily even want to play in some of those other areas that you're talking about that Correct. tend to be the make or breaks of like, let's not even talk about whether it's a good idea or not. That unfortunately becomes secondary if those other things aren't in place. Yeah, absolutely. And many a good idea has died on the vine because yeah. of everything else that you just those ten criteria. <laughs> so curious, touching on a little bit as we kind of kind of we kind of come around here, um, talking about the helping entrepreneurs, and uh, we've been in a, you said you know, four or five year downturn here. So what do you see? What's your crystal ball look like? And in terms of the way forward, are you seeing some improvements in the economy? Any commentary on things that you think? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a little <laughs> the, bit. The, but, cr- uh, the crystal ball. Well, the crystal ball, but also maybe your own views. Your guy, you're in business, you're in the oil and gas sector. There's a lot of rhetoric out there about what's not happening in Alberta versus what should happen and a lot of that. So I'm curious, you got any views or opinions on that kind of stuff? Uh, plenty. <laughs> I thought, I thought <laughs> you might. I thought you might. Uh, I, so share what you will. <laughs> I mean, generally, I am I'm optimistic, and I'm a I would be a bull on on world oil and even on Canadian oil and gas. Okay, uh, I'm I'm more bullish on world, um, just because Canada has some fundamental problems around access to tidewater with, with pipelines, which and those are getting those are getting sorted out. You know, they've they've been approved, and there's 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 protests and delays, but the ball is being advanced every day, and so I'm so I am bullish on that. And I just, I just, I believe that the world needs all forms of energy. So I don't think it's a, there, there's conversations around there saying we need more solar so that we can have less oil and gas, or we need more wind so we can have less of this, or we need more of something green to get rid of oil and gas. But I, I, I look at the world statistics with population growth and energy usage, and it's all going up in every category in every country. Yeah, it's not more of one for less of the other. It's just more across the board yeah, like from pe- an energy perspective. People are just using more energy. And if you think about your own your own house, you know, you used to have one little TV. Now, now a lot of people have more than one TV, more than one car. It's just TV, multiple computers, yeah. charging, you know. Exactly. So yeah, that, it's it's non it's everywhere. So so time. so power is being used more and and just the way that we live too. I mean, being able to order something on Amazon instantly it takes a lot of energy to get that thing from a from a factory in China delivered to your yes. house. So, so the things that for we, you to have that seamless customer experience, yeah, talking about yeah, the things that we do as as humans just take more energy, and that's and, the, and that's fine. I love our ACE program and a lot of the other things we do in our business that help us make these products more efficient and use less power. Right, but all of that taken aside. The world is still using. That's more. being offset of just more devices in general. Absolutely. So yeah, that one device is using less power, but now you're using five devices, and that's so it. It, it needs to be, but it doesn't stop the the progression there. I yeah, I would tend to yeah. agree with you. And, and until consumers change their the way that, that that we operate, that will that will just be a fact. So I think that the world needs more of all energy, and we're we're trying to work with all the different uh, 
energy sources. We just did a cool battery project for a solar field, which were. Oh yeah, you said mainly you said eighty percent oil and gas, but twenty percent other things. Do you guys work in in the other uh, uh, other types of energy outside of oil and gas? You said you just said you did with solar. We're just we're just starting to. So uh, no, interesting. Yeah, the business so we're eighty percent oil and gas, and the other twenty percent would be uh, not not energy per se, but it would be you know like a like a cement facility okay. or schools, universities, hospitals, factories, downtown buildings that need heat. So we'll supply boilers to those. That's a but energy's still somewhere in the mix. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, interesting. It's it's I, I think you're right when you step out of it and there's a lot of it's really kinda of, kind of micro in terms of what we're talking about or what's happening in Alberta. But if you look at it on a global on a global level, the trend is continuing to be up and any of the long term projections isn't less energy in general. Yeah. And oil and gas plays a huge part in that because the net the net total goes up. So does that number arguably go down? Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. No, it's interesting. There's just so much, so much going on, and just spending some time in, in in Ontario is there's a different sentiment around what energy means and what resource development means, and being in some of those conversations out there, it's interesting to kind of step out of Alberta, uh, which arguably has had a you know the, the economy is great in Toronto right now. No one talks about the price of oil. Yeah, no one really talks about pipelines, but everybody's using more energy than they've ever used before, and it's it's an it's an interesting conversation when you live in a province that's focused on it, but also in a business like yours, it's eighty percent weighted into it. Yeah, and it's I, I I feel the the conversation around energy has become a lot more educated over the last few years. There's been mm-hmm. some great groups that are that that just a lot of facts have never been put on the table, and now people are able to have a conversation uh, with with some facts as opposed to just emotion, which is which I think is important. There needs that this it's a just like every important topic: finance, health, uh, healthcare systems. You know the the, the the whole food cycle, agriculture. Th- those are all important conversations. So is energy, and but you need facts to have the conversations, and, and they can get very skewed. And a friend of mine years ago was working in you know, he was working for Canadian Energy Pipeline Association. He said to me, he said Tyler, it's a challenging world when you know you are bound by the truth but your opponents are bound by whatever they felt like saying that day and he was yep. having a he was having a day so I won't, won't get into the details <laughs> but no I think that the oil and gas you know the energy we've done a poor job of kind of putting those facts out there and it's given a lot of space for some of those other stories to take hold at a very emotional level yeah and and, and in the last couple of years there has been groups like Canada Action and others that yeah that's a good example that, that, have, that have just done a good job of saying hey here are facts and talking about those facts in a meaningful way that that anybody can understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opportunity now, I think, is, you know, in Alberta, we're getting a lot of those facts, but what's happening, you know, especially in central and eastern Canada, where maybe the, that yep. story isn't being told the same way, and, but you're right, this isn't a local, or we're so, we're, we're so Canadian, but then we're so isolationist by province by province. It's an interesting, it's an interesting, you know, someone who grew up in Montreal and Quebec, and living through crazy things like referendums, and then moving out here, and then hearing some of that kind of talk float around, and having no use for that kind of talk, because <laughs> we're yep. going to, we're going to thrive as, as, as a unit, not this isolated and us and you and us against them because your border and you happen to you happen to have tidewater and we don't and what is what does that look like and really I'm really interested to see how that conversation uh, hopefully unfolds a lot more collaboratively over in the years to come. Yep, it sure seems to be going that way, which is great. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's not get too political. And you have uh, you have a Friday afternoon event to get to, but uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for telling the story and for giving us a little view behind the scenes. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you.